Hey, it's John from CityCast. If you're in the mood to pamper yourself a little bit this week while supporting cruelty-free products, you should check out Bone Cur Home and Wellness. It's the best place in Portland to find everything from chic home decor to cannabis accessories. They've got a curated collection of vegan and cruelty-free home goods and wellness products because their name is French for kind heart, after all. You'll get a 20% discount on your first order when you sign up for emails this week at boncoeur.net. That's B-O-N-C-O-E-U-R.net. And use the code BONECURCITYCAST20. It's bad for you, it's greasy, and it makes you want to take a nap. But we still eat it because it's delicious. I mean, there has to be a reason barbecue has such a devoted following. And a few years back, Texas Monthly proclaimed that Portland had the best Texas-style barbecue scene outside of Texas, which is pretty high praise. So today on CityCast Portland, we're talking with Oregonian restaurant critic Michael Russell. He recently toured the Lone Star State's highest-rated barbecue joints and is ready to assess with me if Portland really does have the best barbecue scene on the West Coast. Put your bibs on. You might hear of a new place you just need to try out. It's Tuesday, September 19th. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. So a few years ago, a Texas monthly food writer proclaimed that Portland uh, had the best Texas barbecue scene outside of Texas. And I'll be honest, since I've moved here Many, many years ago, I've always just been like, wait, Portland has good barbecue because I've never been able to find it. But then I realized it's because there's a difference between Texas barbecue and the barbecue that I consider barbecue. <laughs> I like that. I like that take. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And I, I agree with you there. There's been a, a takeover of the barbecue world in America um, by these Texas style places. And you can find one or two or 10 in every city in America now. Uh, and mm-hmm. they all do barbecue, not just in the Texas style, but basically in the style of this one part of Texas around Austin. I was about to say. Yeah. Everything. It's the meat. It's like beef focused on brisket. Yeah. It's smoked really slow for a long time. And it's usually served like there might be sauce on the side. There might be no sauce. And the meat is supposed to be so tender and delicious and juicy. It does not need any sauce. But I am here to tell you yeah. that it does. It does need sauce. <laughs> Barbecue needs sauce. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're both sauce fans on this podcast. So yeah, no argument here. Should we blame Franklin Barbecue for this? Do you think he was the one who created the stir? Yeah. I mean, I think that's the main source of information about how to do this style of barbecue. And Franklin got so much positive press. Um, And then Aaron Franklin, the chef, who's sort of a wonky barbecue guy, like a barbecue nerd, he put out a a more than one cookbook, but one barbecue-focused cookbook that's extremely influential. Mm -hmm. And what it creates is a product that looks really cool on social media. It tastes really great. But where I'm with you, Claudia, is I'm not sure it's what my body wants to eat all the time. Like when I actually want barbecue that I like, it's often some good smoked meat with a little bit of sauce. Maybe it's a sandwich, you know, like where did the sandwich go? That's a, seems like everyone's after this like big game trophy hunting barbecue where you have a, a big plate where the meat's almost like dripping over the sides. And uh, it seems like it's 
overwhelming to actually eat. And it is. And you don't yeah. necessarily feel good afterwards. So I have to agree on all those points. But I heard that recently you went on a kind of Texas barbecue quest and you survived it. So congrats on that, Michael. Um, but you, <laughs> you. Your, your assessment was like, wait, Portland's barbecue spots are actually just as good as this. Um, so what are some of the spots that you were just like, yes, this is what I'm feeling here? Yeah. What I found in Austin visiting three or four places from Texas Monthly's best barbecue list was you know, Matt's um, Grassland Barbecue out in Hood River, these places are just as good as some of the top 10 places on the Texas Monthly list, in my opinion. You're not missing out on a ton. Now, I'm not a professional barbecue critic, but, you know, having eaten both, you know, I ate at the number two spot on Texas Monthly's top 50 list, a place called Interstellar. Really, really great barbecue. But I just, I don't think it was like so much better than what you get at Grassland in um, mm -hmm. Hood River, for example. Well, let's talk about your favorite spots. So let's talk, let's start with Grassland. So it's only open two days a week, from what I can tell, 1130 to four. It's seasonal. And just so you know, I can never get to it in time after going wine tasting in that area because it's a decision you have to make to either start drinking at 1130 a.m. and then eat barbecue so you get it before four or eat the world's like heaviest brunch and then go wine tasting and then die, basically. Like that is the decision you have to make. So I never can do it because I, I like, you know what I mean? Like you go wine tasting, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Not as much as I used to. It used to be cheap. Remember when wine tasting was like five bucks, five bucks for three oh pours? Oh my God, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what this podcast is called? Yeah. I remember when Portland. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So we're talking about grasslands. Uh, they call themselves Texish style barbecue in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, and these guys—they really are um, in that sort of big game trophy hunting style of barbecue. Like you said, they're open two days a week. It's seasonal. Like you, it took me forever to get out there. I, I tried them when they came to town and did a pop up at Ruse Brewing in Southeast, which they they tend to do something like that once or twice a year. Mm -hmm. But I actually went all the way out there on a Saturday. Um, booked a hotel room and then like the morning wow. of, I checked their Instagram and they said, yeah, we're not opening today. So oh, no. Uh, I, okay, Michael, I can imagine. Do you remember? So I've seen Michael in the greatest suit ever. It's like this uh, striped baby blue seersucker suit. I imagine you rented a hotel, you wore your seersucker suit, you were all ready for <laughs> Texas barbecue and they were just like, sorry, bud. With a full length bib. Yeah. For yeah. the, for the <laughs> yeah. grease dripping down. Yeah, that is a great suit. I might have to put that on today. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, that barbecue is really good. They're going big, big smoke. If you're a fan of smoky, smoky meat, that's the place to go. Um, you know, frankly, it is it is overwhelming. I think I, I had like four or five bites of food, and I was like, yeah, I think I need to bag this up and go home and take a nap at this point. So, But, you know, that being said, I think going to these barbecue places that are excellent, you know, that really focus on the craft. It really isn't an everyday thing. It really should be once a year or something. In terms of grassland, I think it is worth going out there. You'll have to wait in line. There's going to be a line. Uh, but luckily, Hood River has some loose laws around drinking. So the <laughs> Ferment Brewery, which is right next door, set up a little like, it looks like a popsicle uh, stand, but it sells beer mm -hmm. and you can drink it while you're in line. And nice. they... Yeah, they explicitly are trying to develop what they call like a line culture, which gives me shivers. But mm -hmm. um, as someone who doesn't like lines, but 
this is what you have in Austin. You, know, you go there early, you bring a lawn chair, you maybe have a beer, mm-hmm. and they're trying to create that here in Oregon. And, and they feel like, you know, people are a little resistant to it here, um, but, you know, they seem to be willing to wait half an hour to an hour for, for grassland at least. Oh, man. I was looking at their uh, menu and I noticed that they had like chimchurri sauce and stuff. And I was like, hmm, hmm. interesting. Yeah. Don't they put that on their like Santa Maria style tri-tip? Um, yeah, they they do, you know, the typical meats you'd expect. And then each day has a special, like I think a beef rib one day and then the tri-tip is the other day. I think that's what has the chimichurri on it. Right. Well, let's talk about uh, Matt's Barbecue, which has been one of the I, I would say cornerstone barbecue places in town. Also Texas style, um, pretty highly acclaimed. I actually just think it's Ite, but I think I go every day that it's just been Ite. You know what I mean? <laughs> like people have talked about this is the most amazing barbecue. And every time I go, I'm like, this is fine. I'm I'm with you. I mean, I'm the opposite. I think every time I go, I'm, I'm hitting them on a good day. Um, mm. But they are big now. I mean, by Portland barbecue standards. They have the barbecue cart. They have a barbecue taco cart. They also have a taco stand at Great Notion Brewing on Alberta. So they're operating three barbecue businesses. He's the M in EEM, E-E-M mm-hmm. Earl, Eric, and Matt. And uh, so he provides smoked meats for EEM as well. So that's like they have this barbecue warehouse up in um, northeast Portland on Columbia, a very industrial part of town. And uh, they're pumping out a lot of smoked meat every day. I think the for me, the quality is still really high. Um, but they were also kind of the first people to land in Portland in t- like 2015 doing this style of barbecue. And being the first means a lot of people associate you with that style, even if it was inspired by these Austin places. Um, and again, I usually catch them on a really good day, even though, yes, they're much bigger now. It's harder to do quality control when you're going from feeding 80 people a day to feeding 800. Yeah. I've never been to the taco stand. I've only been to uh, their stand in uh, the Prost kind of Mississippi food cart pod, you know. I've been there twice, and every time I've had it, I've been perfectly satisfied. But again, to me, barbecue isn't just a perfectly cooked meat and smoked and whatever, but it's also like the style that you give it with your sauce. You know, like people, that's what I grew up with. You know, like you grow up with like, this is, I do barbecue great. This is a great piece of meat, but l- let's talk about sauce. So let's talk about Daddy D's because that's, that's another one you brought up. Um, and they're pretty sauce heavy. They uh, dub themselves Southern style barbecue, which is large. That's a large swath of the <laughs> of the American region. Uh, not so much Texas style. Can you tell me a little bit more about Daddy D's? Yeah, the the uh, owner's name is uh, Donnie Vercher, V-E-R-C-H-E-R, might be Vercher, uh, mm-hmm. the pronunciation. And he is from Louisiana. You'll usually see him wearing a Daddy D shirt with a Louisiana state outline on the back. And um, his barbecue to me is, is a lot about the sauce. Um, the last time I did a big barbecue crawl around the metro area, um, I just loved his barbecue. You know, I, I think I had a brisket sandwich, which is just what we're talking about. It's not exactly this like craft barbecue from Austin. It's it's mm-hmm. smoked meats put on bread with a good sauce. You take a bite, it's delicious. And you don't feel like a gut bomb situation right afterwards, um, which I really appreciate, even though it is, you know, a fair amount of meat. Uh, one of the sort of signature things about Daddy D's is that it's at the back of a shell station in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you can buy drinks from the gas station and uh they opened a second location not far away, but um, 
Yeah, that's the older school style of barbecue and also a Black-owned business, which is pretty rare in this sort of modern craft barbecue world, even though barbecue has – it's very much tied up with Black history in America. This modern thread of these Austin-style places is almost all of them are Mm white-owned. And, uh, you know, if you want to go support a Black-owned business that's doing a really good job with a different style of barbecue, I recommend going north to Vancouver. All right, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, more on Portland Barbecue with Michael Russell. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. I wanted to ask you what your go-to barbecue order is. I I know that technically you're not a big barbecue fan. We're here again. I feel like I always invite you to talk to me about things that you're just like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I like this fine. Yeah, but what's funny is like I'll fly two thousand miles to Austin to eat barbecue, or I'll drive to Tumalo <laughs> to eat barbecue, or face rush hour traffic to go to Hillsboro to go to Ferdy's Barbecue, a new place where I went last week. But yeah, I often come away feeling like, yeah, uh, I don't feel so good. Like that's just too much meat for my body to handle. I think that's <laughs> like a common complaint of of general restaurant critics when they're faced with eating a lot of barbecue. It's like, really? Like, do I have to do this? Oh, it's too much, too much meat, mm-hmm. too much fat. But, you know, I seem to be willing to travel long distances for it where I don't know that I drive. I don't know that I fly 2000 miles for pasta, you know? Yeah. Well, the other barbecue place in Portland that we we don't talk about, uh, Khan, the our restaurant of the year last year, mm-hmm. is a Haitian restaurant. And, you know, Gregory Gourdet, the chef there, uh, in his website, he points out that barbecue, like the word, comes from the sort of Spanish translation of a Haitian tradition. They called it barbacoa. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the idea of like smoking or grilling meats, obviously that probably goes back to like the first lightning strike near a time a caveman killed a beast or mm-hmm. whatever. But, you know, there is this tradition of cooking meats in Haiti that gave us the word barbacoa that came to the United States as barbecue. And that is at con, that idea of barbecue is um, usually it's actually grilled meats, but he does do like a Texas style beef rib, which is totally delicious. It's rubbed with a Haitian coffee. Uh, salt and pepper, and it's really mm-hmm. tender. So that's a place I don't think anybody thinks of Khan as a barbecue restaurant, but a lot of the meats are, you know, prepared in ways that are pretty similar to barbecue. So mm. that's another place to have on your radar if you can get in. <laughs> if you can get in. Not so easy. They're like booked out, what, like months ahead? They were giving away reservations in person as a way to 
get around. Um, they claim like bots were grabbing reservations away from them. Wow. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, what is your go-to barbecue order then? Like your once a year excursion to uh, feeling sick. Right, right, right. Um, so I think most barbecue places will offer a um, like a chef's platter or they, everyone has a different word. This The smorgasbord mm-hmm. or the um, whatever it's called. But basically it's like a small portion of three to four meats and a lot of sides and maybe even comes with banana pudding for dessert. And I usually get that just to try to sample as many things as possible. It's kind of a boring thing to say. Sometimes it's mm-hmm. like 50, 60, 70, $80 for this thing. You get your nice picture um, and you get to try, you know, this and that while you're, while you're there. So that's your go-to is basically everything. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why everything. I feel sick afterwards. Yeah. I know that's what I'm, I'm thinking. Cause you know, I would just get the pulled pork sandwich or, or something, you know, I'll just give me the ribs. What I'm hearing, Michael, is you make yourself sick and then you blame the barbecue. Well, you know, it's, it's always like, I'm like, I want to try, okay. How do they do with pulled pork? Pulled pork. Oh, it's excellent. How's the brisket? Uh, not so good. You know, you want to kind of have mm-hmm. that range of, of things to try. Um, it just sounds like you need to start inviting friends to go eat barbecue with you. That's what <laughs> I'm come hearing. to Austin? Yeah. John, you want to come to Austin? Claudia, you want to come to Austin? Can Let's we go. all get matching seersucker suits? <laughs> yeah, or like, uh, what are they called? Nudie suits? The sort of old Western suits? I want one of those. <laughs> Nudie suits? I've never heard of that. N-U-D-I-E. Oh, they're like kind of... They almost look like cowboy, I don't want to say clowns, but like they're very colorful. Cowboy suits. You know what it is? It's like a white person's mariachi suit. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's a fair description. <laughs> it is though. It's nice. It's nice. So you'd wear that. I just feel like if I were mm. a seersucker and you were a nudie suit, we just look like we're not together. Well, I have the seersucker, as you know. Oh, okay. So we can do that. I think we have to decide on the nudie or the seersucker because I'll look like if I wear one, I'll look like a gentleman lawyer and you'll look like you're an Elvis impersonator. (laughs) All right. Well, we got our plan. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Michael. Uh, As always, thanks for taking the time and uh, telling us where to eat in Portland. No problem. Thanks for having me. And now for your microdose of news. The local family-owned real estate investment company, Manashee Properties, yes, the same property investment firm that once owned an open-air fentanyl market, aka the Washington Center, has now bought a 183,735-square-foot downtown office building for $13.6 million. Now, the building cost them just $75 a square foot. That's over three times cheaper than what it sold for in 2014. They're betting that enough people will return to the office post-COVID to make the investment pay off because that's exactly what downtown is in desperate need of, more office space. And Portland Public Schools distributed 14,000 bags that can deactivate expired or illicit drugs. Deterra bags, as they're called, have non-toxic carbon-activated crystals that, when combined with water, break down whatever's inside, from expired ibuprofen to marijuana to heroin. Students are encouraged to use them if they come across unknown substances or to help their families clear out their medicine cabinets. More generally, the bags were intended to spark conversations at home about drug abuse prevention. For even more local news and events, sign up for our daily newsletter, Hey Portland. We'll throw a link in the show notes. (laughs) 
That's all for today here on CityCast Portland. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's.